Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of James. James, we are in James chapter 5 and we will be looking at verses 13 through 18 today. James has oftentimes been called the Proverbs of the New Testament as it has quite a bit of practical um, advice, practical direction for the people of God. And so today we are going to look at part of that direction that James uh, gives to us uh, as he was used and driven along by the Spirit. So let us read today from James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Let us pray. O God of heaven, you have revealed yourself in creation. You have revealed yourself in your word. And today, as we turn to your word, show us the bounteous riches that you have placed there. Help us to live according to the word that we read, that we study. Open our eyes to your glory that you have shown to us. You have placed us in this world. You have called us to be citizens of your kingdom, pilgrims on a journey from this kingdom to yours. Now show us your paths as revealed in the word. You have put us, you have put in us a longing to keep your word. Keep us consumed by that longing. Keep us consumed by your word. Restore us through this word and drive us to meditate upon it. Counsel us according to your just decrees. And in the name of the word who dwelt among us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So a couple of years before I moved up here, a very good friend of mine named Omar was diagnosed with ALS or more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Omar struggled with this diagnosis for a while and struggled with the reality of it and the implications of it. He had already struggled with a a young son. His youngest son had been diagnosed with leukemia and was struggling through the difficulties of that. And so Omar was just dealing with the realities of, of being given a terminal illness. Well, Omar at one point heard that uh, a faith healer from Canada had come to Lakeland, Florida, which was the town I grew up in, which was about an hour and a half away from where both he and I lived at the time. And he, he came and he talked to me about it and he said, I'm desperate. Will you take me? So I did. I agreed. After a little bit of prayer, after a little bit of counsel, I agreed to take him to see this man. And it wasn't good. It was a joke. After the third time of people coming up to him and praying over him and ripping his cane out from underneath him and him falling and them telling him he had not had enough faith to be healed, we left disappointed and discouraged. 
Omar died a few years later and and he is now completely healed. He is in heaven with his Savior, with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But what do we do when we ail? What do we do when we struggle? Where do we seek healing? Today, I want us to look at James chapter five, verses 13 through 18 and think about how we search for healing. We search for healing, number one, through everyday prayer. Number two, through healing prayer. And then we will look at an example that James gives us from the Old Testament of the power of prayer. First, James calls each and every one of us as children of God to pray every day for ourselves for our friends, for our family. He speaks, begins here, he says, is any one of you in trouble? Other translations say, is any one of you suffering? And this is not just the average everyday cold. This is more of a long-term type of trouble or suffering that oftentimes we go through. He also says, is anyone cheerful? And I think between the two of those things, is anyone happy? Is anyone cheerful? Is anyone in trouble? Is anyone suffering? We, we pretty much cover most of all of life, don't we? We're either suffering or we're cheerful. And sometimes those two things are not mutually exclusive. If we follow Paul's words in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, where we are called to rejoice in suffering, those two things can go hand in hand. But what are we called to do? When we are in trouble, when we are suffering or when we are happy or cheerful. James says to go to the God in prayer and he goes, he gives us two different types of prayer. He gives us this petitionary prayer, this prayer that goes to God and asks for relief from the suffering or the trouble that we're in. He gives us the songs of praise that we are to take to God whenever we are cheerful, whenever we are happy. But whatever it is, whether we are suffering, whether we are in trouble or whether we are cheerful or happy, we are to go to the Lord in prayer. Many of us, many of our friends, many of our family members suffer with chronic illness, with chronic difficulty, whether it be back pain or degenerative issues or immuno issues or emotional issues, mental health issues. We suffer chronically. It is an unfortunate reality of living in a fallen and broken world. When we suffer chronically, we should go to God expressing our dependence upon him, expressing our need for him and asking him for salvation. We should go to him to beg for relief from the suffering that we are undergoing. And this is not just a one off prayer. Lord, take my sickness away from me. Take my illness away from me. Take my suffering away from me. This is a wrestling with God, a deep prayer. The example that he gives later of Elijah, where it says that Elijah prayed earnestly. Literally, that says Elijah prayed while praying. Elijah wrestled with God whenever we suffer with chronic illness or whenever we have friends who suffer with chronic difficulties. We should wrestle with God. We should pray while praying for those needs. And then when God brings healing or joy into our lives or both healing and joy into our lives, we should sing praises to God. As human beings, that first part oftentimes is very easy for us. 
Lord, I am struggling. Lord, I am suffering. Lord, I am hurting. I am in pain. Help me. We persistently go to him and say, Lord, I am suffering. Lord, I am struggling. Lord, I am in pain. Help me. Heal me. Give me relief. But we have a tendency to forget that when God does bring either joy or healing or both together. We forget to sing praises to him. And so when we are joyful, we should sing praises to God. When we are suffering, when we are in trouble, we should pray. When we are cheerful, we should sing praises. And James tells us that at first we should go to God in everyday prayer. But then James turns to a deeper kind of prayer, a more healing prayer. Although all prayer is powerful, all prayer can bring healing. Have you ever suffered chronically for long periods of time? Well, I guess that's technically the definition of chronically, long periods of time. But have you? You just live life under the weight of difficulty and struggle. What's the temptation in that? The temptation is to get weak. The temptation is to begin to doubt. The book of Job, Job chapter 1 and 2, we're told of this conversation between God and the accuser. And the accuser says, Job is only righteous and only worships you because you've given him all this stuff, because you've given him family, you've given him goods, you've given him health. Let me take that away and he'll curse you. And God says, fine, you can take everything away up to his life. And Job's wife comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die for everything that he does to you? Job says, hey, look, God gives. God takes away. Who am I to question what God has chosen to do and how God has chosen to work his glory in my life? And Job 3 is so victorious. But that's not where Job ends. Through a combination of time and combination of bad advice from his friends, bad application of scripture, of things of God by his friends to Job's life, Job despairs. And James referenced that. He says, is any one of you sick? This isn't just mere sickness. The, the word here is weakness. Is any of you weak? And typically in the New Testament, this word is used of spiritual weakness. The longer we struggle with the difficulties of life, especially if they bring extra pain to us, especially if they bring extra suffering to us, the longer we struggle, sometimes the weaker we get. We're talking about the book of Revelation in Sunday school. Revelation was written to a group of people who more than likely after suffering under persecution for a time, after having heard the promises of the apostles from the words of Jesus himself that he would be returning soon. They're sitting here 70 years later under persecution going, OK, God, when? When will we be vindicated? When will this suffering end? And oftentimes when we suffer under weakness, under sickness, we come to a point of spiritual weakness in this life that that is driven by our suffering, by our chronic. And James gives us very specific means by which to deal with this. This person who is weak, this person who has suffered chronically should call the elders of the church to pray over them, to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the Lord. 
And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up if he has sinned and he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. In this process here of seeking the elders, we, we notice several things. First, that healing is to be prayed for in the context of the church. One of the benefits of church membership, we're told, is that you get to take part in the means of grace. One of the ways in which God imparts his grace upon us is through the work of the church and reading sacraments and prayer. Whenever we go for healing, whenever we go for healing from both our chronic suffering and the spiritual weakness that can come from long term suffering, we don't go looking for a faith healer. Because God has commanded us to keep this within the church. Healing comes through the ministry of the church. Secondly, he says that these prayers should be offered in faith. What is a prayer that is offered in faith? In 1 John chapter 4, in John's first letter to the church of Ephesus, in the fifth chapter, excuse me, of that letter, beginning in verse 14, we hear this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so there's the first characteristic of the prayer of faith. It is asked according to his will. It is asked according to what God wants, not what we want. We're told that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And so not only is it asked in his will, it is asked in the expectation that God hears us. Do you ever just pray to pray? All right, I'm just doing this because it's what I'm supposed to do. Not necessarily a bad reason to pray. I mean, we are to obey God's commands. He does call us to bring our prayers, our concerns, our petitions to him. It's not bad to ask out of duty. But not only do we ask out of duty, we need to make sure that we ask in anticipation that God hears. God is not far from us. Scripture teaches that he is everywhere. He is near to his people. And not only does he want us to come to him in prayer, he hears us when we pray. And a prayer of faith is also answered in the knowledge that God answers prayer. Now, I was at Camp Joy last week and we were talking about prayer on one night. And if you've been to Camp Joy before, you know, George, George is the guy that plays guitar. He's the guy, one of the, the glues that holds Camp Joy together. And we were talking about prayer one night and he opened up his discussion of prayer. Actually, he opened up my discussion of prayer by saying that God answers prayer in four ways. First way is God says, yes, God answers prayer by giving us what we ask for. The other way he answers prayer is by saying no. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a few moments. He answers by saying, wait, just a little while. And then George said he answers by saying, what were you thinking? We have to pray with the expectation that God answers prayer. 
And that leads us to the to the third thing that we need to consider as we consider this healing prayer of the elders. And that is and that is that God will define what being well is. It says here that whenever we ask of God in James chapter five, that the Lord will make him well. But God gets to define what well is. First Corinthians chapter 12, a very familiar passage to many of us that have been in the church before. Beginning in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, To keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul picks back up. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul is saying here is there are times when we go to God and ask him for healing. Paul suffered with this thorn. We don't know what it was. We're not told what it was. We're told it was given to him to keep him humble, to not be conceited over what God had revealed to him through the inspired letters that he wrote, through the visions that he had. We're not told what it is, but we're told that he wrestled with God at least three times over this difficulty. And God's answer was, rest in me. I've given you salvation. I've given you strength to carry on through insult, through persecution, through these experiences where you were almost killed for what you preached. Let me be enough. What words we need to hear today as well, is it not? Is God enough? Is God enough for your weakness? Is God enough for what you struggle with? Are the promises of God enough for you? Are you able to rest in what God can and will do for you? Are you able to rest in the fact that God shows His glory in our weakness? Are you able to rest in the fact that God's kingdom moves through the weakness of broken, hurting struggling individuals. My grace is sufficient for you. God gets to define what it means to be well. The fourth thing we learn about the healing prayer from this is that sometimes prayer, uh, suffering is tied to sin. And if that is the case, we must confess. The psalmist in Psalm 130 starts out from the depths of woe. I raise to thee my voice of lamentation out of the depths. God, I cry to you. I am struggling. I am in distress. I am hurting. I am in pain. And then the then the psalmist remembers something. Oh, yeah, I confess my sin to you. And the sense in Psalm 30 is that the struggle, the pain, the difficulty that the psalmist was in was a direct result of his sin against God. Now, 
doesn't always happen that way. We live in a broken world where bodies and minds are are affected by the by sin and by the effects of the fall. Just because we live in a broken world where we age, we die and life is just not the way it's supposed to be. But there are times, brothers and sisters, where our suffering is our own fault. Where we have done things that have broken God's law. And God says part of your discipline is suffering. First Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read portion of it a little bit later when we when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Paul talks about taking the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, but there are some among you who are ill, who are struggling, who are suffering and some have died because they approached the table in an unworthy manner. And then the other thing we learn about this healing prayer is that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Oh, but there's the rub, is it not? Because I know myself as an elder of this church, I am not a righteous man. Except for Jesus. If the prayer depended upon me, it would be anything but powerful. It would be the opposite of effective. But thankfully, I stand before God, not in my own righteousness, but in his. And the righteousness of Jesus as he took the punishment for my sins, as my sinful record was was cut away from me and nailed to the cross so that I could be given a new regenerate heart for God. And then this person who is burdened under the weight of spiritual weakness is to approach the elders of the church and have them pray. So we have everyday prayer. We have this special prayer for healing. And then James gives us an Old Testament example of the power of prayer. Now, it's not described for us in 1 Corinthians 17, the prayer that Elijah gave to stop the rain. But we are told about the prayer that Elijah gave in order to start the rain back up. Ahab was an evil king in the northern kingdom. And God called Elijah to be a prophet to Ahab. And, and Elijah had some magnificent work on behalf of God, showed Ahab and the people of the northern kingdom of Israel some miraculous signs. But but James pulls out two right here. In, in 1 Kings 17, we hear that Elijah is called by God to go to Ahab. And Elijah says, because of the sins of this northern kingdom, it's not going to rain here for a long time. Palestine, the, the nation of Israel, is already a, a, a desert climate. What do you do when you stop rain for three and a half years in a desert climate? You kind of make it a lot worse. Not only was there no rain, there was no dew. We're told that oftentimes in, in some places in the nation of Israel where the rivers flowed and the, the moisture in the mornings evaporated off from the river. We've seen the clouds over the river lately over the last week. In, in lieu of rain, that dew is there to, to water the soil around the river. And we're told that even that dried up. In the northern kingdom. And in between there was the amazing work of God after Elijah prayed to him on Mount Carmel. And God not only sent fire from heaven to burn up the sacrifice in the wood, but he melted all the stones and lapped up all the water that had been poured over Elijah's sacrifice. And then James says, after a period of three and a half years, Elijah went back to God to pray to him. 
And he told Ahab ahead of time, he said, look, God's getting ready to bring rain. Ahab didn't ask him how. Ahab just went and started setting up life as normal. But Elijah went and took a servant and he prayed. And we're told he got down on his knees and in front of God and he prayed for rain. And he sent his servant and said, go look, see what's going on. Servant came back and said, nope, nothing. And then whether you, however you read it or translate it, it's either seven or eight times total. Elijah does that. He prays for rain. He sends his servant and his servant says, nope, nothing's happening. But that last time, the servant comes back and says, there's a cloud the size of a clenched fist. And Elijah goes to Ahab and said, you know what? You better head out of here now before your chariot gets stuck in the mud. And that cloud grew into a deluge. Brothers and sisters, we oftentimes do not believe that prayer works. And yet the Bible is full of examples of the people of God, whether the Old Testament people of God or the New Testament people of God, going to God, giving Him their prayers, giving Him their concerns, and having God answer in either a mighty way or an unexpected way. We are called in our daily lives to bring our struggles and our joys to God in prayer and praise. And we are called when the burden gets too heavy to walk alone, to bring it to the church so that the church may pray, so that the elders may pray over you as well. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, I do thank you so much for these words, for the reminder of your power, for this instruction for us in our everyday lives to bring our sufferings to you in prayer and our joys to you in rejoicing, in praise. And I thank you for this command that when it gets too tough to bear upon our own, that you have placed us in a church to, and given us elders to bring these concerns to. And also that you have told us that you are a God who answers prayer. Help us to remember to pray. Help us to remember to seek the support of the community that you have placed us in. And when things get exceedingly difficult, help us to remember that you have placed elders in this church to pray over us. In Jesus' name, amen.